Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 59. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by, wait for it, Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Jonathan Kuline in Mr. in Mississauga. Hello there. On the line for those of you transporting at home. Alrighty, so let's dig in. Um, some quick fact check from last week. I was talking about uh, a show that I'd seen. I couldn't remember if I saw it on Netflix or whatever, but the name of the movie is Atari Game Over, and it, it sort of goes through and documents the whole sort of rise and fall of the Atari company uh, goes through all sort of you know how they got to you know the, the arcades and how they got to the um, consoles at home and how you know Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were sort of involved with them for a bit um, and even the sort of um, evolution of um, I think it's this show the evolution of uh, PlayStation and Nintendo maybe I've got the wrong show because that wouldn't necessarily be Atari right yeah it? no it wasn't yeah okay it, was, it must have been another show I was watching too I'll have to find that one then um but yeah it was, it was fascinating it was like this atari game over does sort of cover the whole thing like with the burying of the et games and the uncovering unearthing of them and all that kind of stuff and uh, but there was another show that i saw that was uh, i'll find it for next week about uh, which covered sort of the sony nintendo deal and um how at the last minute um i think it was sony decided not to go in a, in a sort of partnership with nintendo which pissed off nintendo which is how they came up with their system afterwards um because um, Sony released the PlayStation, right? And um, I think we did talk about this. Isn't that one where I sort of said the guy walked up, the, everybody's waiting for the, the announcement that the guy was going to un- unveil the, the new Sony PlayStation pricing and all that kind of stuff, and he just walked up and said two ninety nine. Yeah. Walked away. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that was that was that that particular uh, that particular um, documentary, if you will, where that was spoken. So we've talked about that on the show before. I'll have to find that from previous days. But I'm going to hand over the microphone to Jaime Lopez Jr., who's going to give us the COVID-19 rundown. There's a lot of stuff that's that's been going on, a lot of impacts, and probably even more by the time this episode comes out. As we record today on Thursday, March 12th, it is, it's, it's nutty. So uh, locally for the Seattle area, Emerald City Comic Con has uh, been uh, canceled or delayed. I can't remember on that one. Yeah, uh, it the, was postponed anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, many other cons of a similar type are happening. Uh, other festivals like Coachella. Uh, it looks like Pearl Jam had some sort of uh, tour that was going on. The Zach Brown Band. Um, major sports like the NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS. I didn't know what NLL is. Oh, it's na- National Lacrosse League, yeah. Yeah, okay. Lacrosse as well, wow. So yeah. just about every sort of sports thing that you could imagine is uh, they've been suspending their seasons. So it, it started out with you know games being postponed or delayed or getting moved around and then ultimately 
know, let's just hang on for a while here. And then in, in film and TV, we've got uh, A Quiet Place 2 that's being delayed, uh, very similar to what we talked about with uh, No Time to Die, the James Bond movie. F9, the Fast of the Furious uh, sequel has been delayed. Uh, it looks like the filming of the Riverdale TV show, uh, the Mulan movie. I have no idea if I missed anything else. Um, yeah, it feels like everything is shut down. Anything that involves a mass crowd. There, actually, I got an email from uh, Live Nation that Live Nation has put a hiatus on all concerts for the next, I think they said, four weeks. So pretty much any concert that was scheduled from uh, mid-May, uh, mid-March to mid-April is is postponed. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it feels like the, the whole world is shutting down in an effort to try and reduce the spread of, uh, of this pandemic, um, which, you know, as of right now, obviously there are plenty of cases uh, in Canada now, um, but all things being equal, it's less than 200 across our country. And, uh, you know, that's obviously that's known cases. Um, things are a little more dire, obviously, in a few other countries. And I think it's expanded into 30 plus countries now. Um, so, I mean, what are you guys, how are you guys feeling about all this as far as your well, impact on your lives? Just to, just to sort of throw a couple of names into the ring there, um, our own prime minister, his wife came back from the UK and uh, she had some symptoms. Uh, so she's mm-hmm. being tested and they've both been self-quarantined. Yep. Um, he basically did, he worked from home today. Um, Tom Hanks and his wife, right. uh, Rita, Wilson. what's her last name? Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson. They've, they've both been, uh, they've both been confirmed to have COVID-19. And they caught it in Australia when they were, he was there filming yeah. a movie. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, so there's been a lot of, a lot of companies have been shutting down. There was a case of, at RBC, one of the buildings at RBC shut down. Um, our Raptors were playing against the team that was, that had the team, uh, was it? Uh, yeah, they were playing the Utah Jazz on Monday night. Yeah. And that was where the first confirmed case of an uh, NBA player. Uh, they played the night before, right? Yes. Well, so they played on Monday, and then last night was when they, they diagnosed and they found out that that was Wednesday night. But two days later, and then this was somebody who they were they were out there on the court banging bodies with. So the Raptors have gone into self-isolation as well. They've uh, they've basically been told to uh, lock themselves up for 14 days and then uh, to report in if they have any symptoms. They've, they've all been tested. We talked about this obviously yesterday on, on- more than just code um there's a lot like a lot of tech tech companies have all shut down the big players the big the big guys yeah google uh, i saw did that twitter google apple you know and a lot of conferences have been canceled um but we talked about another thing yesterday which is called flattening the curve and um this is you know like this is basically a bell curve Uh, i forget what mark called it another type of curve but anyway there's a maybe jaime can tell me because he's a computer science guy but um it's you know shows like if you don't do any sort of preventive uh, measures you you'll get the same number of infected people but it'll it'll peak much higher and way higher than what our healthcare systems can handle um, whereas if you practice things like washing your hands and and staying safe distances from people or not gathering in large groups and possibly transmitting uh, amongst that large group um, then you end up flattening that bell curve uh, down to a point where it's hopefully just below the capacity that health services can can muster right um, and and you know basically it's not to say that any less people are going to get infected, but it spreads it over a longer period of time. So it actually looks like, like a wider curve, but it's lower than, than, uh, than a peak curve. So hopefully that's what, that's what all these measures about shutting things down are about. It's not about 
people being panicky or whatever. It's actually it's statistics. It's science basically saying like you know it, it, it's inevitable that we're that certain number of people are going to get infected by this thing. Hopefully by that time we have a vaccine or some sort of treatment. But um, you want to try and mitigate the the level of um, harm that it can harm and spread that that they can have. Right. So here in in Toronto um, they've extended the March break for kids to three weeks. I'm sure your kids are just horrified by that idea. Oh, they were right? so sad. I mean, I can't yeah. even put it into words. They're very uh, stoic. I'm sure they were very stoic and stern, uh, and the least they could do, right, kind of thing. To be fair, I, I did uh, speak to my eldest son after I got home from work today, and I said, uh, you know, so so how are you feeling about all this? And he said, you know, I will genuinely miss my auto shop class. I was like, yeah. well, that's progress. All right, there's something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't think he'll be missing. I don't think he'd be missing his uh, academic chemistry class. That's been uh, a busy one for him this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we had a strike when I was in, in grade 11. We had a strike for about a month or something. Um, and yeah, we got to stay home and whatever. But I, yeah, you kind of miss the social aspect of going to school and hanging out with people and getting, you know, beat up by people and, you know, ridiculed and uh, all that um, kind of hair pulling. You know, you miss that stuff, right? I, I think maybe I had a different experience, but I wouldn't have missed that. Oh, maybe you were pulling hair. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, flattening the curve. Yeah, it's funny because this, this um, um, yeah, social distancing is the term that's popped up over the last yes. few days. Social yeah. distancing. I said, yeah, I, I have a 14-year-old. I'm, I'm well aware of what social distancing is. I can completely spot it a mile away. It involves a 14-year-old with a pair of headphones sitting in front of a computer all day. Right, right. <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird one. I mean, I just, uh, you know, obviously, again, it hasn't really, um, it hasn't really hit a very serious uh, concern level here, except for the fact that, you know, I stopped to get groceries on the way home, and just like everywhere else, like the toilet paper aisle is demolished and people are just like cramming their baskets full of ramen noodles and uh you know it's it's amazing how quickly people buy into the the fear and the hype when you know again i i work in healthcare here in in toronto and i uh you know we're constantly monitoring these things through our you know federal government's healthcare and health canada the public health agency of canada and they keep saying you know yes this is a concern these are the precautions you should take and you know you know they're not saying you know end your life not saying don't go outside they're saying you know be vigilant and be cautious and be clean and and uh yet people are treating it like this is the beginning of the walking dead (laughs) well i mean so the other thing too is like i have a doctor i had a doctor's appointment for tomorrow and you know i'd already gone and had my blood test done and stuff like that um fortunately i found a secluded lab to go to it was like i was the only person there on the set on sunday morning but um my doctor called me like a couple of hours ago and said hey listen you know we're trying to mitigate we only want people coming in if they're really really sick kind of thing to the to the hospital area so he said let's do this over the phone so we went over my results on the phone and so i you know don't basically got you know the kind of consulting i would have normally gotten in his office but without having to take myself and put myself into a potentially dangerous environment right so that that's how it's affecting my life you know like uh, i'm happy to happy that happened because i was a little concerned that about i was walking into uh, you know danger zone as it were right yeah are you uh, so obviously the the one of the messages that they've relayed is that uh, obviously the older you are, the more at risk you are at this point, it seems like. I don't the, bring that one up, but thanks for reminding me, Jonathan. That, you know, say if someone were in the ballpark of, you know, <clears throat> an older demographic, they might be a little more concerned about this, uh, uh, potentially catching this virus. Uh, yeah, do, that's true. Does that's that true. weigh on you a little bit? It does. It does. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's big. It, like we were you know, sort of tongue in cheek at, at work as we were looking at the numbers sort of thing, you know, where's the cutoff line? I'm in my 40s. Is that bad? Like it's, uh, you know, 
you're sort of trying to look for any glimmer of hope in, in what is a very uh, scary situation. But, uh, boy, it's it's uh, it's a weird thing that's sort of happening yeah. where people are, you know, uh, a few of my friends take the TTC and they say, all you have to do is cough lightly into your elbow or have a sneeze. Everybody moves away. And yeah, people exactly. scatter around you. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's this kind of sort of, uh, you know, the, the fear, the paranoia, the racism. Um, you know, these are these are just such you know unhealthy ways to deal with this this crisis. Uh, I guess it's human nature to fear. Well, like today downtown, I, think, I don't know if I mentioned, it, but the subway was was half full, less full than I would expected. Kind of like it is on a Friday, right? Today, and then uh, when I was down in the one of the busier uh, cafeterias near my office, you know, one of the food courts, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, you, you're struggling to find a seat. It was like three quarter full. It was like I mean, it was three quarter empty. I should say it was like you know, it was like plenty of empty. So clearly people are, are heeding the warnings and working from home as much as they can and that kind of stuff and not, not coming in, right? So yeah. anyway, let's move on to the, uh, as Jaime likes to say, let's move on to the puppies section of the show. <laughs> Bring us some good news, Jaime. Yeah, I don't know how great news it is uh, because this is one of the few movies that has not been delayed <laughs> as far as I know. But it is exciting to see the uh, the final Black Widow movie trailer that shows mm-hmm. us more of, of what's going to happen there and get people hyped ostensibly to come out in the summer. Who knows? Who knows at this point? So, so what are the details you spotted in this one that, uh, that you like or don't like? I thought the Taskmaster, the character yeah. that she's fighting against, is interesting. It seems like I'm sort of vaguely familiar with the character in the uh, the comic books and how he has uh, either studied or he has like a, a computer program or something that helps him fight as if he is other people. Um, yeah, the comic book character is is basically that this character has this incredible capacity to study somebody's moves and instantly be able to replicate them and so it's almost like a, a uh, like an, an ability like a superpower he can basically watch captain america fight and then do all of his moves he can watch uh you know daredevil or spider-man and he can just mimic that and uh he's always been a character that i've really gotten a kick out of because he can pretty much become a match for anybody just by sort of seeing what they're doing um so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they realize that on the screen obviously if he's you know fighting against somebody like the black widow who's supposed to be this this master of martial arts it'd be interesting to see if they have some really cool martial arts scenes. Yeah, they they also seem to make a lot of use of a shield very similar to Captain America. So I wonder mm-hmm. if he's also studied the Captain as well and is going to fight using his style. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell from just a handful of movie clips, but it makes sense given what I knew of the character and the way you described him as well. It would be interesting to see if uh, maybe he's going to be he's going to be all the Avengers or something. You know, like we have to be fighting against all of her sort of compatriots in in its own way. But yeah, you're right. And he, the mask and everything looks pretty badass. Right. So you got some more sad news first, Jonathan? Well, I don't know how to feel about this one. This this could be taken as bad news, I guess. So, we got confirmation uh, that we're getting a third season of Netflix's reboot of Lost in Space. Right, yeah. However, they've also announced that this will be the final season. So, if you read the story that we'll have in our show notes from uh, Entertainment Weekly, they say that uh, Netflix is pulling the plug on this series, but then they also speak to um, Zach Estrin, who's the, the showrunner, he says three years was always the, the plan. This was supposed to be like a beginning, a beginning, a middle, and an end. So uh, I don't know. I guess if this was sort of the intention, and this is sort of how they, you know, want to tell this story, you can't begrudge that. But uh, I've enjoyed that series a lot, and I, I think it would have been nice to sort of see how long it could have gone for. Although I don't know how long you could drag that premise out and, and well, still I mean, make it satisfying. So the thing about it is the the I mean Lost in Space was actually the space family Robinson right mm. back in the day and it was it was campy it was 
was put up against Star Trek, which which was it had no hope in comparing itself to that at all. Mm-hmm. There was very little science in it. Um, you know, it was kind of a Gilligan's Island in space sort of thing. Um, you know, so you were you con- you were concerned about the characters every week, and you wanted to see what kind of you know mess they could get into and how they would get out of it. Um, so from that point of view, it was an interesting thing, and because it seems it seemed sciencey, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of kind of had um, some uh, sort of interesting to it, and then interest to what I mean, and the the um, the reboot, you know, it's kind of like like you remember Battlestar Galactica in the the original one in the eighties was pretty bad. It, it was, in fact, quite. It was quite bad, yeah. And I mean, the movie was also horrible too. But the um, compared to things like Star Lost and whatever, which is kind of bored from. But um, and it was trying to again, it was put up against Star Wars, right? Which was again not another hope in to, of capturing that sort of thing. Um, but you know, the the reboot of Battlestar Galactica was f- so phenomenal. You know, like the whole the way they took the same idea and the premise and they, they kind of wrote a new sort of story and a new sort of lore around it. You know, it was a fascinating show, you know, notwithstanding the all, all along the Watchtower stuff. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it kind of, it, it was good from that point of view. And Lost in Space is kind of interesting too, but, you know, I, what I really liked about the original series was the interplay between Will Robinson, the robot, and Dr. Smith, right? Mm-hmm. And the way they've written these three characters, I mean, the only one that seems to be consistent with the original series is Will Robinson, right? Because the robot is made up to be some sort of alien species, you know, which which is kind of like odd. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Smith being is is just you know um, a Schmendrake like the original one was, but not quite as as you know lovably campy as as Jonathan. Um, what's his last name again? Jonathan. Anyway, the Doctor <laughs> Zachary Smith. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, he uh, uh, not Jonathan Winters. It was like Jonathan something. He was actually my favorite Martian too. I think he was in that show. You keep but, vamping. Um, I'll find it for you. Yeah. So anyway, he he uh, he was interesting. He was sort of you know he was akin to the Joker and the Riddler kind of style in terms of how you know like in the original Batman series, the '66 Batman series. You know, kind of they weren't they were arch criminals, but you couldn't take them too seriously. You know, kind of thing. Um, you know, so that that was a fun show. I mean, but yeah, it, it totally couldn't couldn't I, if they rebooted it would be it would be kind of you know it would be super campy as opposed to how, as as campy as it was, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to you know it's happy to see the characters move along, but the the story is kind of going in a completely different way, and it's it seems to be much more mature, much more adult science fictiony kind of yeah. thing with the colonies and the you know the controversies and the you know every man for himself kind of attitude that they have. It's a bit like Walking Dead in space, you know. Yeah, although I will say I have enjoyed. I mean, uh, it's, it's Jonathan Harris, by the way. I looked it up. Thank you. Um, I, I will say I have enjoyed the sort of balance that they've tried to put into it with the, the balance between the sort of the, the ages of the children, three children, and then the interplay between the the mom and the dad, the John and Maureen characters, Molly Parker and Toby Stevens. The I think Canada's own Molly Parker. Oh, I love Molly Parker so very much. I think we talked about this previously, but um, yeah, I think they've done a good job of, of sort of balancing out uh, sort of the sort of kid themed story along with the sort of the teen story and then the sort of young adult story and then the adult story. And I I think they've actually done a nice job of balancing the adult story against the kids' story so that it's not too heavy all the time. There is right. still yeah. Yeah. a little lightness to it. And I think that's what has actually kept me wanting to come back to that series. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I think I was thinking maybe like Lost in Space, the movie that came out in the 90s um, or the campiness. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad too. Yeah. Or the campiness <laughs> of the original. But what I've enjoyed about this one is that sort of uh, like compared to a lot 
lot of the adult science fiction that is very prevalent nowadays, it, it does have a little bit of that sort of child, through the eyes of a child kind of, you know, wonder. You know, there's a lot of moments of, of Will Robinson just, you know, with wonder looking at things and enjoying and, and just being amazed by the intricacies of space and space travel and stuff like that. It, there really is a sort of sense of of, uh, of wonder to it that is, it's quite compelling. Yeah, I think that, the, I mean, the, the uh, interplay between Will Robinson, the robot, and, and Jonathan Harris as Zachary Smith, they, um, I mean, it, it was it was like the robot and Will Smith as a combination were smarter than Dr. Smith, who was always trying to, you know, you know, like Gilligan, he was always trying to, you know, get his way, get get out of things or get get himself rescued and leave everybody else behind kind of thing, which is similar to what this current Dr. Smith is doing. But um, that was fun, you know, but but this show, they, the writers have just gone a completely different direction. Like Will Smith, Will, sorry, Will Robinson is still a pretty intelligent kid, you know, um, you know, but uh, yeah, he kind of gets himself into jams and stuff like that. But um, you're right. There, there is quite a difference between what's happening in the kids' lives and, and the adult lives and, and the, you know, the, the whole colony conspiracy thing that seems to be brewing, right? So I don't know if you can tie it up in another in another season, though. Right? Like, yeah, you know? I, uh, I don't know. I think... Are they going to leave it, them lost in space? Or are they going to land on the planet they were heading to? Or what's the story, right? Yeah, I guess that's the question. Is is a happy ending them getting where they were going? Or is a happy ending just them being together and safe? Yeah, I don't know. Will they, will they discover a Borg transwarp conduit <laughs> that they can flip through, right? Yeah. <laughs> You be assimilated, Will Robinson. Yeah. Anyway, like you have three episodes left, and so you, you know you, you pull out the old uh, transwarp uh, network uh, yeah. trope. What kind of crazy show would do something like that? I don't know. I I have no idea. All right. Can't I can't imagine one. <laughs> anyway, next uh, next story I've got uh, was an interesting one. So the novelization of uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is is just come out uh, long since obviously since the movie came out, and like most novelizations, it contains a lot of backstory and uh, detail that is available in the film just due to time. One of the things that came out uh, in a review of this and it immediately popped up on Reddit and then got picked up by the more mainstream media was that there's a little clarification over who exactly Ray's parents were. Uh, so the the story goes originally in... It wasn't Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen? No, uh, strangely not. Uh, so the story was in, uh, in Last Jedi that her parents were were nobody. And then in Rise of Skywalker, uh, it was revealed that her parents were actually uh, her father was actually Palpatine's son and that she is a Palpatine. So it actually in the detail in here in this uh, this story that's been done is that Ray's father is not actually a son, but a quote not quite identical clone of Palpatine. But so okay. <laughs> according to this uh, this is a story on Reddit. It's not enough that they're related, right? <laughs> Ray's father is described as, quote, a genetic strand cast and, quote, useless, powerless failure who is despised by Palpatine on account of his, quote, disappointing ordinariness. Uh, the boy's only worth, worth though more uh, through no, more natural methods, uh, uh, was able, his ability to continue the bloodline. So that's weird. Yeah, it's weird considering that, you know, Ray is such a kick-ass, you know, yeah. Jedi type, you know, how does she inherit that is it like is it like baldness it skips a generation or it's, what uh, yeah midichlorians i don't know I, yeah but it's a it's a weird twist on an already weirdly twisted uh and frankly unnecessarily convoluted bit of storytelling to wrap up that saga so yet another weird little bit out of this last burst of star wars i had to think of it as being like the movie multiplicity yes. 1996 <laughs> 
comedy with uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Wait, wait, are we talking about the current episode of Picard, or is that coming later? It's coming later, but this one, oh. uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton's character like clones himself to be yeah. in multiple places oh, at the same right. time because he's like okay. you know overworked dad sort of thing, right? And he's mm-hmm. needs to do more stuff to fix his, uh, his relationships and handle mm-hmm. work and all that stuff. And they distinctly have a point that like a clone cloned itself. Uh, spoilers yep. for 1996 movie, and it was dumber than the rest of them. And I kind of yep. feel like right, right. This you guy know, sometimes the, when you make a copy of a copy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels like <laughs> this guy was like the dumber one. Like, oh look, he's not force sensitive at all. And then presumably Ray gets like the genetic pieces she needs from the mother. Oh, right? true. Okay, filling right, in right. the the flaws in the in the palpy failed clone. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there's an excellent spoof episode or robot chicken episode to be written about this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next thing. So we were talking earlier about the the Nintendo PlayStation. So uh, there was a few prototypes made between this uh, one time proposed partnership between Nintendo and PlayStation, where they were going to work together to do the next system because uh, Sony wanted to get into gaming, and uh, Nintendo was looking for a partner with expertise in the disc drives. And and uh, so they did a couple of prototypes, and then uh, so wait, the, Nintendo already had the they already had the consoles in the arcades, right? They this, already had Mario and Donkey Kong and stuff. No, no, right? this 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 came later. This was actually uh, in the early nineties. So this was mm-hmm. after Sony had uh, Sony hadn't entered the the system wars yet. Yeah, this is what I was saying before. They were, they got together to try and do something together. Right? Yes. Yeah, so Nintendo yeah. had already done the NES. They'd done the SNES. They had done the Nintendo sixty four, and uh, they were looking at uh, trying to get into a sort of a next level of the market to compete with some of the other rivals in there. They had talked about this partnership. They had done a few uh, demonstration models and then the deal fell apart. They, they went their separate ways. So, a few of these prototypes, rumored to be around 200, uh, were created. None of them were ever sold. However, uh, and when the deal fell apart, they were theoretically supposed to be destroyed. However, as goes with these things, not all of them were. So, one of these ones turned up in, uh, in an attic a few years ago mm-hmm. and it was put up for auction recently and it just sold for uh, $360,000 US. Okay. Making it the most valuable console system as far as I know. So the person who but bought it... But does it play it, Echo the Dolphin though? That's what I want to know. No, well, it doesn't even say that it plays any games. It, it, it does look weird. It's like, it does look like a PlayStation and a uh, Nintendo had a baby. It's pretty weird. Right, yeah. It has the branding on it that says Sony and PlayStation and Nintendo. Um, so the person who bought it was the founder of Toys.com and Pets.com, who okay. uh, apparently, when he sold his businesses to Amazon, uh, or he sold, I guess, a large stakes in his company during the, the dot-com boom to Amazon, uh, he ended up getting some stock, and he is thus incredibly wealthy now. And one of his passions is collecting this huge archive of original arcade systems, original home, home consoles. So this guy bought this system for three hundred and sixty thousand dollars and he says he is going to uh build a museum wherein people can see these well, it does say it's essentially a super nes with a cd-rom drive yep. yeah yep. one of 200 prototypes manufactured mm-hmm. hmm. a few of them out there well although again Somewhere. none have mm-hmm. really turned up and the rumor was that obviously they were supposed to be scrapped they were supposed to be literally destroyed oh. but uh, they must be underneath the uh et in the that's right the desert they, they didn't actually encase them in concrete like they were trying to get rid of jimmy hoffa right right so, was yeah. that what they did with the ETs? They, they put it in a concrete bunker? Yep. Uh, no, they they actually, like,
like poured concrete over the top of them. So oh, okay. when they went to excavate them, not all of them, obviously, you know, concrete just creates a barrier over the top. So they, they basically, they had to chisel through it. There's a great, uh, in the, the documentary, they showed them excavating it and yeah, they had chiseled them out of, of concrete. Right. Okay, cool. And uh, our last bit of headlines for the week, uh, we lost a pop culture icon, Max von Sydow, passed away this week. He was uh, in uh, Force Awakens, right? He was. He crossed into a lot of our favorite uh, pop culture things. He was, uh, yes, he was in, in uh, Force Awakens. He was on Game of Thrones. Uh, he was the Three-Eyed Raven in, in Game of Thrones. Of course, he was most famously uh, the the priest in The Exorcist. Uh, or, or the Seventh Seal. Or, well, for those people who are, are you know, uh, fancy film fans, he was one of Ingmar Bergman's most uh, go-to actors. And yeah, of course, he was in The Seventh Seal. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, a huge, long career filled with incredible performances. My personal favorite is uh, Three Days of the Condor. He's just this mm-hmm. amazing, very, very sort of small scene as this assassin that is chasing Robert Redford around. And, and his performance is just amazing and creepy and, and excellent. And his speech at the end is just gives you chills. Yeah, um, good movie. Yeah, good movie. Although I will say a very close or maybe a 1A uh, on that one, and I put it into the show notes, is the clip from YouTube uh, from Conan the Barbarian, the original Arnold Schwarzenegger version, where he plays King Ostrich, and he has this great speech uh, about how, you know, he's try- he's he's this angry king because he catches Conan and his two companions trying to break into his uh, vault and steal all his stuff, and he says, you know, I don't want all this stuff. What I want is my daughter back. This evil monster, Thulsa Doom, has, has kidnapped her, or basically helped. She's fallen in love with him and his cult, and and is run away, and I want you guys to go and save her and bring her back to me. Uh, but he has this great speech about, you know, uh, there comes a time when, you know, gold does not shine and jewels do not sparkle and all a man wants is the love of his daughter. And it's, this is great. And he's just the, the, this incredible, like, regal performance by, by Max von Sydow. And uh, that scene is just one of my all-time favorites in uh, fantasy storytelling. Cool. All right. Well, here we are at these, the part you've all been waiting for, the Picard cap, as I like to call it today. Um, <laughs> season one, episode eight, the episode called Broken Pieces. So so here's the question. What if you? What do you do if you only have three episodes left in the series? Well, you put a ton of stuff in episode eight, right? Mm-hmm. So I have like four pages of notes here. <laughs> Kids, sit back, put your head back, here comes the drill. All right. So we start off 14 years ago. Well, I, I won't go through what happened last week and start. I'll skip that part. So 14 years ago, we have a cadre of Romulan women uh, standing around this sort of um, illuminated uh, ping pong table of sorts that and they're they're being told by dun, 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 Commodore O dressed in one of these black you know robe thingies uh, herself she's re- telling these women that they're going to see some visions if they're brave enough and they're going to you know some of them might want to kill themselves afterwards and some of them do rather interestingly in fact one of the camera po- per- point of views uh, smashes it, it, its head in with a rock and we get to see that happen um, but amongst the women that you see standing around the the Romulan women standing around the um, this little ping pong table thing is uh, Nerissa herself, and uh, it turns out to be Auntie Ramda, the the the, the Borgified woman who um, was on the captured ship that ended up. We'll talk about that later too. Um, but anyway, she uh, 
the two of them are there uh, as, as to take in this vision. And um, as I said, it's so horrific. Horrific. It's sort of the same sort of uh, uh, YouTube file that um, uh, Cap Commodore, Commodore Oro played for um, for uh, Agnes earlier in, in the previous episode. So similar idea. They get to see all this horrors and you know see all this stuff that happened back in the past in Romulan deep history, and they all go crazy except for the one that's left standing as Nerissa. Like she's kind of like loving this you know this effect or whatever and of course so then that's how Commodore O takes her under her wing and as well as Narissa to sort of help them through this thing and she just she sort of said that uh, Commodore O mentions that this is an uh, admonition left for us by our foremothers you know to to prevent the second coming of the destroyer um, and those of you who will sur- who survive will will become stronger from having experienced it so then we move forward to where we are today and Narissa is visiting uh, anti-Ramda turns out in the in the sick bay at uh, on the Borg ship um, and uh, she you know t- as part of the ex- what do you call it, exposition she's telling the story about how telling Narissa who's lying there unconscious in the bed that you know you seem to be malingering here and, and maybe you know we're not sure why you're just you know, lying here the doctor says there's nothing wrong with you um, she does explain that uh, uh, Auntie Ramda had taken in Narek and Narissa when their parents had died um, and that as we suspected uh, we expected something about the, these uh, Borg. Um, sorry, something about these the Romulans that were captured. It was it was a Ramda ship that was captured. Something in them dis- must have destroyed the Borg ship, and it turned out it was actually uh, Ramda's despair, according to Nerissa. Um, she does at one point say, "I would have made a better Borg than you." It's too bad my ship wasn't captured, but it's kind of a weird sentiment. Um, but yeah, she said she tells the sleeping uh, or unconscious uh, Ramda that they found Narek has found the the planet that the uh, the synths are coming from and the nest of synths, I think she calls them. And uh, she's going to send them off uh, to... Um she says, you should wake up and come along with us. And then she says to somebody else, uh, to one of the centurions, have we, have we found the freak? And yes, he's in Hugh's office, the office, the former office, office of the former director. Uh, and they attack Elrond, uh, a bunch of Romulans. And uh, he starts, you know, slashing with his swords. And he's getting a little bit overpowered. And at the last minute, uh, Seven of Nine runs in with a couple of phasers and blasts a whole bunch of people and, and kills them all. And then she says, where's Hugh? And, and at, at which point uh, Elrond runs up and hugs her. You know, they're there. It's okay, kind of thing. Um, we're then back to uh, the ship, La Serenia, and Picard and Soji have just arrived, and we're seeing it from the point of view of Rios, who's really sort of taken aback by uh, when he sees Soji. It's kind of like he's connecting her with somebody else. We get that sort of sense that he's, you know, he's been here before. He's, he's, he's uh, and and Picard's trying to talk to him, snap out of it, kind of like uh, kind of dialogue. You know, I need you to to tell me where the n- nearest. Uh, um, uh, space station is, or point, I forget what they call it, but DS, Deep Space 12 or DS-12 turns out to be the one that's nearby, and he wants you to, I want you to send him a secure link to Starfleet, and hey, wake up, wake up, I, I need you to, to do this for me, but Rios continues to be freaked out by this uh, thing, and Picard basically, you know, um, Soji is a little, little upset about the whole beaming on, or showing up on the ship too, and he just sort of says, you'll have to, you have no choice but to trust me on this, and then uh, Rafi has a moment with, with Picard and Soji, and she she kind of says, you know, uh, so, oh, great, you've brought another homicidal double agent onto onto the ship. And how big a fool are you, she says to Picard. Um, and she pulls a, a phaser on, on the two of them and, and 
which, you know, Picard's going, hey, what's going on? And, and um, she basically says, a neuron. That's all you know about this girl. She's just, just based on one neuron. Like, how, what do you know about her really, right? And uh, she says, she tells Picard that we've figured out that Agnes is a Romulan spy because she had that chip inside her. Um, and he says, is that a fact or a theory? And she says, well, it's a theory. And then, uh, you know, we think that she killed Maddox. And, and uh, well, how do you know this? And, he goes, and then we flash over to the sick bay and the, the emergency medical hologram uh, has proved or has proved that she's she basically disabled the the uh, medical bay and 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 let let him die kind of thing and, and forced him to die sort of thing so she murdered him basically and that's kind of what we kind of wondered about a couple of last episode is how come nobody kind of like you know turned on the alarm and went hey what's going on and you know they're they're thinking well maybe the romulans put her here to kill maddox like maybe that was their mission um and it was kind of careless to just sort of bring her along and 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 you know how do you know what soji's really like so rafi's really calling him on his decisions about you know just trusting these people and, and that kind of stuff and uh so we flash forward to uh picard sitting in his his um what do you call it what is it what do we call this uh his vineyard office room kind of thing uh his holographic office and he's sitting across the table from um admiral clancy and uh you know they're sort of comparing his kind of you know she says that's a hell of a report he says well you know like you know, you, you thought i was nuts and senile and maybe quixotic and um, at which point he says, you know, and now the windmills have turned out to be real giants, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, she says, what do you expect, apology and that kind of thing? And he's, no, I want a squadron. And she says, she says, fun. She says, Picard, shut the f up, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of effing in this show, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, they should buy another valve. But um, yeah, so and she says, okay, well, I'm going to send a squadron to Deep Space Nine. Stay put no, until Deep I get twelve. There. Twelve. Don't get our hopes up. Oh, sorry. 12, <laughs> nine, nine, twelve. That's all multiples of three. Whatever. Um, yeah, so then we flash over to, to Rafi, um, who's now at the, gone to the, the front of the ship, and she's talking to uh, what she thinks is Chris Rios at the, at the con, and it turns out it's actually not Chris Rios, it's the uh, med- uh, emergency medical hologram. So apparently no, no, they no, can't... No, 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 no. Sorry, emergency navigation hologram. There you hologram. go. Thank you. E-N-H. E-M-N. And uh, he says you can call me Enoch, and, uh, or Enoch, and... Uh, so, uh, you know, he's sort of saying, you know, try and try and think of something positive about it. And uh, he says, you know, I, I don't know what it is with, with, with Rios, why he's acting so weird. He's, where, do you know where he is? He's kind of in hiding and seems like he knew that, the, he knew Soji from somewhere before. He goes, and, and uh, Anak, without missing a beat, says, yeah, Jana. And he goes, what do you mean, Jana? And he says, well, I can't really explain because there's kind of like gaps in my memory. And he says, you know, ask me something about astronavigation. I can answer those questions. And so she shows him this drawing that she's got. Uh, of of these eight star systems, eight circled planets circling each other, um, and she sort of says a planetary system with eight stars is such a thing exist, and and uh, I think they call it uh, what word down, but I can't see it here, octagonal or octa something. It's an octonary, an, an octonary, octonary yeah. system. I had that written down here. Where did it go? Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he sort of she says, "What is this such a thing? Could a, could a planetary system exist like this?" And he goes, "Well, there's a case of a seven star one, but and the wrong." Have, a, have accounts of it in their ancient charts, but it, it's apocryphal. Ah, can't say that word. Apocryphal. Thank you. The word I can't say. Um, yeah, and uh, and he sort of said, you know, the gravitational forces would really be complex to do that kind of thing. And, and she says, you know, maybe the conclave of eight is not a group of people. Maybe it's a star system. Maybe it's a place, right? Um, and he kind of says, yeah, possibly, whatever. And she, I forget why she says, but she says, you're my favorite hollow. Um, well, because that, that's, that's a clue, because she had mentioned 
mentioned in a previous episode, she mentioned the Conclave of Eight, and yeah. she's clearly been, as we've seen with Rafi, she's, it, yeah. she's been puzzling this for clearly for a very long time, sure. 14 years, right? right? So to finally have that breakthrough, she just she's like in love with Enoch now. Yeah. So we go back to the Borg ship and, and into the room where, where the slaughters happened with Seven of Nine and, and Elrond, and uh, Nerissa's there sort of looking looking at all these people and realizing that they weren't cut with, with a big, you know, like a samurai sword. They were shot down with lasers. You know, those are like blaster points to me. Um, and she says, uh, she finds the, the beacon and she says, ah, it's a Fenris, uh, Fenris Ranger beacon. And uh, she says, I bet you I know which one it is. And uh, um, yeah, then we move on to, oh yeah, so now we're in, we're in the Queen's Lair inside the Borg ship where Seven of Nine and Elrond have run off to. And uh, he, she says to him, why didn't you go with them? And he says, well, because I found a lost cause greater than the one he had. So Picard released him to deal with the uh, the Romulan or the, the Romulans versus the Borg situation. Um, and he says, is this where the Borg Queen lived? And, and uh, Seven says, no. Um, she says, I can either explain to you, kid, or I can steal the cube. You're like, you pick one, right? Sort of thing. And then my favorite scene in the entire the entire show is this Tesla lightning that goes up the big column when she uh, activates the, the cube, right? Because, of course, we were told in the previous episode, you'll need a Borg to activate this thing. Right. So, um, and Nerissa is going like, what's going on here to the Centurion? He goes, I think the, the cube is regenerating and they're coming back to life. And, you know, what should we do? And, and she's, he, she says, should we electrocute them all? He goes, no, no, that, that probably won't work. But what, we could just open the doors and blast them off into space. And says, that's a good play. Let's go with that one. Um, then we switch back over to the La Serena and we see Picard and Soji are having breakfast or some sort of meal. But it turns out to be eggs. So I'm going to call it breakfast. Um, and she sort of says to him, you know, you don't know what it's like to have this vacuum inside. Not, you know, to not really trust whether he asks, like, do you like eggs? Would you prefer something else? She says, you don't know what it's like to not really know whether I like eggs for real or if it's just part of the data set that's been planted into me. And, and he says, I can only imagine what that's like, right? And uh, she's complaining about the fact that, you know, she doesn't seem to have any sort of story now. She doesn't know what to trust. And, and Picard says, well, you do have a story. You have a past. And you should, you, you know, have to figure out what that is and just, you know, gla- grab it. And she says, well, tell me about data, right? Because obviously she's been told about data. And, and some of the words that Picard uses ex- to explain to her what data was like is he, he was brave, you know, he was curious, he was gentle, um, he had a child's wisdom, and he made us lo- he made us all laugh, except when he was trying to make us laugh, right? Um, and she says, and you loved him. And he goes, he kind of looks at her funny, and he, he goes, well, um, yeah, I guess in my way I did. And uh, and she says, did he love you? And Picard just looks at her like perplexed. And um, he says to him, to, to uh, Soji, uh, Data had a capacity for expressing and possessing emotion. Data's capacity for expressing and pro- processing emotion was limited. And he goes, we sort of had that in common because Picard suffers from that same I- issue as well. Um, and she says, well, how do you hope he remembered you? And, and um, hopefully someone who believed in him um, and believed in his, co- in his um, accomplishments and his potential compliments and, and, you know, uh, counseled him. I don't know why that autocorrect said that, but, uh, and, and we hopefully would get out of his way and let him do it. And uh, she just looks at him and she says, you know, she says, he loved you, matter of factly, as, as if she knows somehow. Um, probably another planted uh, idea, right? Um, anyway, so now uh, Rafi is uh, talking to the emergency engineering hologram this time with a really, I gotta say, bad Scottish accent, um, <laughs> who calls himself Ian, and uh, she, she, of course, he calls her Lassie, and she's says, you know, don't call me Lassie. And okay, I'll remember that. Um, where's Rios? What's he doing? And he says, well, he's hiding out. He's, you know, the, the girl is, you know, this girl has, has brought a lot of memories back to him that, uh, and, and uh, you know, he's, she says, well, what, what kind of memories? He says, well, 
going, you know, I I know, but I don't know. He says, I can, I can, it's true, which means no, um, but I can't tell you why, right? And so there's some sort of missing pieces here in, in, in all of these uh, uh, holograms, which we'll get to in a minute. I was thinking we should call them Holly because, you know, from, from Red Dwarf, right? But yeah. then it goes, I'm sure Jaime's never seen Red Dwarf. I haven't. Maybe there'll be like a revival or something you will end up yeah, watching. Yeah. That. Okay. Well, I think it's on the Netflix. I don't know. It's it's all available on, on uh, iTunes. So I wrote down Octonary Star System. This is where I, I knew I'd written it down somewhere. But uh, yeah, and uh, he sort of, he, she's asking him about the whole engineering of, of uh, an Octonary Star System. And, and he says, you know, what are the odds that that would happen? He says, practically none, right? So she says, well, then it would have to have been built, right? And and who's got the, you know, the engineering to get eight stars? you know gather them together move them across you know the heavens and then set them into motion to make this this thing and and why would you do that and um he sort of said well they're kind of showing off and she says no maybe it's to leave a warning to people in the future coming uh, coming uh, coming to this this place sort of a thing and you know he goes well how does that make you feel she says i feel absolutely terrified by that right um and then she's then she's she's still exploring trying to find out where where Rio is she ends up back in her room uh she walks in she says i need a glass of wine and of course, you know the hospitality hologram says, uh, "I'm sorry, but uh, you've disabled your, uh, you've locked yourself out of, of from having alcohol, and you know you've put a bunch of overrides in place. You can't get past them." Um, and he sort of, in a very strange way, kind of leans into her a couple of times when he's talking, and to the point where she actually ends up falling under her bed. And he sort of says, "You know, Rios needs someone to talk to, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, get in there and talk to him, kind of thing, right?" Um, now I'm trying to remember when the self. So he, he was it the uh, hologram he was talking to about the fact that uh, yeah I think he the the, the uh, hospitality hologram tells him tells her that you know she re- starts to put to again puzzling things out she kind of puts together that that all of these holograms have a little bit of uh, Rios in them because they all look like him for one thing right and he sort of said yeah when he bought the ship he kind of turned on the self scanning option and uh, then then he realized that uh, not it wasn't a good idea so um, she realizes that all of the holograms together kind of constitute or partially constitute what's Rios and this is where uh, was the name of the movie Multiplicity that you were talking mm-hmm. about, Jaime. These are all bad, sort of flawed copies of Rios, right? Well, it, it's that, or they have been tinkered with. Is well, kind of the, what I'm I was getting, getting to that part. I'm getting to that part. So he kind of so he sort of says, you know, yeah. After he realized, you know, it was probably not a good idea to have this sort of you know replicated uh, uh, beings based on myself. And he went in and, and he made some deletions and sort of carelessly, in some cases, like he says, asking me how to make Iridian tea. He says, I have no idea because he, he went in and erased that file too uh, haphazardly and but uh he says that yeah i think he's definitely in need of a confidant right now and that's when he leans into her so then we, we switch over to uh maddox or certain maddox no we switch over to rios's room and you know uh, we see we're scanning by books which is kind of an interesting thing like printed books bound books something like picard likes to collect um and a bunch of mermaids sculptures or, or sirens as it were yeah the sirens okay i guess so yeah yeah yeah. they're all sort of yes i guess they're sirens as well um and then we see his starfleet footlocker and he focuses in on that and he sort of he opens it up and you see him put aside his starfleet uniform which he still has nice nicely folded inside there he pulls out a box that has ncs75710 printed on the side and he pulls out a cigar box and in the cigar box oh meanwhile you know um 
Rafi comes to the door and he says, piss off. You're already pissing off, Captain. And uh, so he pulls out a photo of himself and, and his former captain, who will learn his name in a few minutes, and a drawing. And the drawing is of Rios and this Jana person who looks exactly like da, 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 exactly like Soji. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back onto the onto the Borg ship, we flash back to, to uh, Seven of Nine, who's standing in the middle of the, the Queen ship trying to you know activate everything. And she, she's talking to... Um, uh, Elrond about how they can sort of you know help the, uh, the get the Borgs to help them and he says well can you can you turn you know, can you just turn them back on again and well they, they won't work because they're not they're too far away from the collective but maybe I can make a micro collective she says and and uh, and she she gets a little angry about the fact that she she would basically be enslaving them again and um, and he says well we can release them when we win and he goes she says I might not want to release them and they may not want to be want to be released so um, so now we switch to the the, the multiplicity scene of the movie where or show where um raffi has finally realized okay let's get all five holograms into a room and try and try and quiz them about what's going on and see if we can put together some sort of picture of what's what's bothering rio so what's going on here so she basically says these are the five broken pieces of captain rio which is where the, the show gets its title from obviously i just realized that um and she said each one of you got delta card like they're not none of them are playing with a full deck but at least at least one of them has at least one whole card she can sort of put things together um, and they all kind of they all kind of know of Jenna, but they they can't figure out why when they know her. Um, they all recognize her as a tragic figure. They spill the beans about the fact that he was on the ship called the Ibn Majid, and that the captain's name was Alonzo Vendemir. And um, Emmett, who's the I think he was the uh, the the um, tactical the tactical officer, yeah, tactical mm-hmm. hologram, yeah. He he's there. Um, he sort of says something. Ha- they all something happened there, and he kind of puts his finger in his mouth and sort of says, you know, like to to um, mime that the the captain shot himself. And when she she starts digging for more details. They go, don't bother looking for details. All the logs have been erased. And, and besides, it's all classified. You'll never find it kind of thing. And then the Scottish dude says, uh, and he's safe as a piper, awful flying in the fang, right? Or something like that, which I, I Googled and I couldn't figure out what it meant. But uh, something like he's some type of piper. But anyway, and they all, she looks at them and she goes, that's not even the language. You know, like this, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, uh, then we look over to, then we sort of from, from uh, Dr. Gerardi, Eyes. She's kind of being woken up now, and uh, Picard is about to, you know, uh, do a little um, uh, quiz questioning of her, and um, and uh, she, you know, taking. He says, you know, you neutralize the val- the viridium by by uh, by taking that uh, drug that you took, and uh, we're no longer being tracked by the Tal Shiar, or are we? Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, see, he says to her basically, you know, you, you're we realize you we realize that you killed Doctor Bruce Maddox, and uh, so when we get to deep space 12 you're going to surrender yourself for murder so and she sort of says well commodore O came to me and she she poisoned me she put these thoughts into my head and he says what this the head of starfleet security did this to you yeah she poisoned my mind she she touched my head and put all these images into me and and um and she made she put a psychic lock in there so i can't even talk about it and you know kind of i guess by giving her this this injection she was able to or, or this uh 
drug she was able to get past it somehow uh and she says i didn't believe i didn't believe in hell until i actually saw what uh, the images that uh, that commodore had placed into my head and so it basically happened uh thousands of years ago it turns out to be 200,000 years ago um that uh and, and the point she she starts to believe what what's been planted in her head that they need to destroy any uh chance of any kind of synthetic life ever coming back again coming back again um and uh the door opens to the medical bay and soji says the coming of savage Sh- uh, shaneb the destroyer me um so she's realized she was c- called the destroyer by by anti ramda earlier right and this is the first time that uh since she's just come out of her coma this is the first time that agnes realizes that they're there with soji and right. okay, that yeah. was like the thrill of her like she desperately wanted to meet this synthetic right. person right mm-hmm. right 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 well uh, did she want to meet her before Kilometer O visited her? I can't remember now. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. she. I think she was fascinated at the idea that Maddox had had this had, level of had breakthrough. This. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, right. We finally, get into to Rafi's uh, room, and he's listening to uh, "Solitude" by Billie Holiday on the you know the old jazz standard record. Rafi comes in and makes him a coffee, and um, start, he starts to talk about his about the the um, his former captain. He used to pretend he was my father, kind of thing, and but it turned out to be a cold-blooded murderer. Now we start flashing back and forth between um, Soji and Agnes having conversations, and Rafi and um, and uh, uh, Rios having conversations. So here, so back to Agnes and Soji, and she's sort of fascinated. She's asking her questions about, like you know, about her life as as a synth. Like, do you sleep? And um, do you get sad? And what what, you know, what do you do when you get hungry? Do you eat? You know, kind of thing. What do you do when you get thirsty? And she says, I drink. And uh, you drink when you're thirsty. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. And we come back to. Rios is talking about how they went. They were sent to the Vact sector, um, and they came across a ship of unknown design. And they were sent there on a diplomat, diplomatic mission. And they beamed the ambassador and his young protege, who turned out to be Jana, onto the ship. Switch back to Agnes and, and Soji, and uh, talking about you know the construction of, of um, Soji. And she says, you know, you've got a sort of a beauty mark on your face there, and, and uh, that's like a, that's artistry. That's amazing. And she says, well, I also have a mole on my chest and a crooked toe. And she's like, that's amazing like i can't believe that's you know level of detail that they did and we talked about this in the first step first couple of episodes of the show where um it, it's so convincing that people don't know she's a synth and she doesn't know she's a synth either right for he, either her or her sister you know basically she said you're a technical technical masterpiece and, and a work of art and and so she looks at her and says am i a person right um and switch back to rios he's talking about how um vandemir killed both of the the ambassador and his protege in cold blood and we switch back to Soji and she's still questioning, am I a person? You know, not in theory. As you look at me right now, do you see me as a person? Am I a person like you? She says, right? Switch back to Rios. He was talking about, it was basically a black flag directive coming straight out of Starfleet that, um, and if they didn't follow the orders, the ship, the Imagine would be destroyed and all the, the, the complement as well. Um, so, and after shooting the, the two people with a phaser, um, uh, Rios went at the captain. He says, I went at him hard. And I guess it, it, the captain was so distraught with what he had done, he put the phaser in his mouth and blew his head off. And that's the, the vision that um, haunts uh, Rios, the, the vision of his, his captain's brain splattered all over the bulkhead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the doctor... Um, sorry? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a really yeah, yeah, graphic yeah, yeah, comeback. Yeah. 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 So um, so he says that he comes back to... And he says, he says to uh, um, 
uh, Rafi that, you know, I, I doctored the logs. I, I made it seem like he killed himself for no reason at all. And, and basically I covered up the, the incident kind of thing. Um, and six months later, I was kicked out of Starfleet for post-traumatic dysphoria. Um, and then he shows Rafi the picture that was drawn. And, and uh, I think I forgot to mention that they called the the, the one uh, a synth called himself a beautiful flower and the other one was Soji. So not Soji, Jana. And um, he says, look at this drawing. It's just the other... The other, uh, the, the beautiful flower guy, he drew this of, of us, and and uh, this is the same person. This is to, like the splitting image of, of Soji. And again, this is another one of those things where the paintings that Data did and and of Soji as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you do? How did he know that? Hmm. Um, and then Rafi says, "Well, who gave the order?" And um, so we switch back, you know, before the answer comes back, who gave the order? And the next thing Soji says is, "Commander O, Commodore O, uh, ordered you to kill me," and uh, you know. She says, after having met you, I would never do that. You know, like, um, and of course, you know, so- Soji says, I would never allow you to do that. You know, <laughs> so we come back to the cube, the bar cube now. And uh, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Narissa. Uh, Narissa is happily shooting, you know, it's target practice, duck hunt time with uh, with the uh, PlayStation there. And she's uh, shooting um, all the XBs, eliminating them all. And, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they were inside the 3D printing lab because there was a couple of, you know, 3D printers on the table there. Um, and uh, and so in back in the Queen's chamber, uh, Elrond notices that the, the lights are going out in the, in the big sort of 3D display that's in front of them. Um, and uh, he goes, are those Borg life signs? And, and of course, you know, uh, Seven's like, oh, real look of worry on her face. So she's got to get in, jump into action. And uh, the comment that, that Nerissa says back to the Centurion is something far worse is coming if I fail at my work. And we're talking about, you know, getting rid of the, all the, the Borgs that are that are not been... Uh, they're still in stasis. They haven't been. They haven't been made into XBs yet. So, Seven decides to jump into action. She flips a couple of switches on the Borg thing, and and the sort of these tubes come over and connect to her, and she becomes the Borg queen. And she says, "We are Borg." And then all of a sudden, all the the other Borgs that are in stasis all start to wake up, saying, "We are Borg as well." And at which point, Nerissa says, "Open the doors." They open the doors and blast them all off into space. And to which you know, Seven, when she realizes what's happened, starts screaming, "No!" So anyway, so I'm done. I, I love the autocorrect here. Um, Agnes uh, Soji brings Agnes back into the into the main crew room, and uh, the you know Picard and Rios and, and Rafi are sitting at the table, and she says, and Agnes says, "I'm done murdering people." Uh, and Rios says, "Are you all right?" She says, "Yeah." When I'm going to get to, to DS12, I'm going to I'm going to turn myself in. And sorry, uh, you know, like this is the closest thing you've had to being a crew, and I'm sorry I I ruined that. She drops an f bomb as well, and she says that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Raf or sorry, uh, Rios goes over to. Uh, the replicator and, cr- and produces peppermint ice cream and french fries and puts them in front of Soji and how do you know I like that and you know he goes well obviously I mean, in the five minutes I met <laughs> the other woman uh, uh, she liked them so I'm assuming you did too right so they talk about Rafi starts talking about her her discovery about the uh, the cadre of eight did I mention that yet what do you call it the uh, conclave, conclave of eight conclave yeah. I think is what they said yes yeah. so yeah so she's talking about how they somebody must have gone and dragged these eight sons into place and put them in, in, to, into motion and, and placed this planet at the middle and placed a, uh, a warning there for, for future future societies or whatever. And uh, Agnes contributes saying that the Romulans called it an ad- admonition, um, which of course she got from the planted thoughts from uh, Command- Commodore O. And um, oh yes, the warning is don't do what we did.
did, you know, Rafi says, and uh, uh, the synths have evolved, and, and uh, Picard makes a, somebody makes a comment to the fact that it's a, there's a dividing line where the, in the synth evolution where they get to a certain point, and I'm, I'm calling this Judgment Day because that's clearly what it is, right? Mm-hmm. When they become smarter than the rest of us. Um, and they created the, the Zat Vash to, to basically uh, live out and sort of protect uh, this, this memory and, and uh, dedicate it to finding and terminating synths wherever they can be found, which is wonder why they didn't do that to data all the time that TNG was running. Oh, never mind. I won't say that. Yeah. Um, Um, anyway, so it turns out we find out that, you know, as we suspected earlier, that, um, or in some ways, that, that Commodore O is actually half Vulcan, half Romulan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, basically, she, she's the one that came up with the attack on Mars and engineered it. Such a, such a horrible thing that, you know, the Federation couldn't, uh, couldn't, you know, possibly let any sense kind of, you know, survive after that. So, so it, make it made it such a horrible, you know, sort of uh, disaster that they would, they would do, have no other choice but to ban have a ban, right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I wrote nine years ago emissaries, and I can't remember what that means. So that's that's when we connect the dots, because then they realize that that's when Rios's ship in the Vite system ran into the emissaries. Oh, the it was years nine ago, years yes. ago, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, Jana and the one called Beautiful Flower, um, and and this is the they come from the planet where Bruce Maddox fled to after after the the ban kind of thing. Um, at which point Soji gets annoyed and smashes the table, which kind of weird kind of behavior if you think about it. Um, well, first. They have an interesting moment too, where she she knows Jana's name before it's spoken. Right. Oh, she yeah, makes she that con- she makes that connection, right? Because somebody okay. says Jana, and she says, or somebody's about to say the name Jana, and she says it first, and then says, "I don't know why I know that." Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. So basically, the the, the Zvat Vash have been searching for this world ever since. Um, so then uh, Soji gets up and she runs over to the calm and she starts to lay on a course and she puts up a force field. Um, and they said, what's that? And, and you know, is that a map of, uh, sorry, Rafi says, what's that? And she says, it's a map of the Borg transwarp network. I just need to get back home, she says. Um, and, you know, we're nine hours away from the nearest the nearest node, so we're just going to jump over there and head over there. Um, and then Rio starts, Rio's just trying to smash at this, this uh, force we're trying to get through it. And then, it, then he starts singing a Spanish lullaby, uh, which is a secret code to disable or, I guess, override any sort of the ship. And he basically takes down the, the force field and and then Picard says, well, you know, we've tried it your way. We've tried it my way. Let's try it her way now. And, and um, uh, he sits down at the captain's seat. And they all look at him like, okay. And he pulls up the, co- the controls and he puts his hands up to start, you know, start making directions into the system. And he looks and he goes, I don't know how to work this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, so they, they're getting getting there. And then, you know, Rio starts chastising Soji for um, planning this, this trip into into this uh, through this warp thing without setting up the the defenses in the ship and, you know, like grab, grab a geometric shear, be damned, you know, you're just going to fly off into space and just destroy this whole ship. But, uh, you know, you got you to plan these things, right? And she just sort of says, well, Captain Rios, get me home, please, for Jenna's sake, right? Um, we switch back to the the, uh, the, the Borg cube and uh, Seven has now been able to get the, the XBs to start to play along with her and uh, they start, they take out the the Centurion as, as the nurse is walking comfortably, confident 
confidently through the ship. Um, and then she realizes that the call, the centurion is not answering. She turns around and she she gets stormed by a bunch of uh, Borg XBs, and she um, takes out a few with it with her phaser rifle. And then they they kind of you know capture her and overpower her and throw her to the ground. And the very last second, you see her zoom get uh, beamed away because at, at the same time outside the Borg ship, all the Romulan ships have all arrived to go off and and find this planet that uh, Narek is is leading them to, right? Sorry, did you say throw her to the ground? Throw her to the floor. <laughs> yes. Throw her to the floor. Yes, Centurion. Throw her to the floor. Yeah, what's the line? What's the the, the line he says to the Centurion? Um, and the answer is about eleven o'clock, sir. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, of course, you know, uh, Jonathan loves the lines that Elrond comes up with, and so finally, you know, seven. Um, he looks over at seven and he says, "Are you going to assimilate now?" Uh, and then uh, the the board queen releases Annika. Says Annika has some work to do, so it releases her from her her bond her bonds. Um, so Picard, and then we switch over to Picard and and uh, and uh, Rios. They're sitting in the in the thing as they're traveling through the space, and you hear Picard talk. And it's sort of you got this face shift on his voice to make it seem like he's sort of in this weird sort of uh, transitive mode of, of traveling through time and space, right? Um, and he talks about he's trans, he's reminiscing about you know being you know on the, the the deck of the ship by himself when he was an ensign and he hadn't felt that way until just now, kind of thing. And he's talking to uh, um, Rios about uh, how he you know he knew uh, Captain um, I've forgotten his name now Vandermeer uh, Vandermeer he knew Captain um, Alonzo Vandermeer before. He basically served with a, an old uh, mate of uh, Picard's, and, you know, and uh, Rios offers up Captain Marta Benedides. Uh, and uh, he, says, he says, oh, you knew her? I felt like I knew her based on the stories he told, right? And uh, she was really a legend to the old man. And then he says, you know, do you, do you think he knew that, that uh, the, t- the two emissaries were synthetic? You know, and he's talking about how, you know, how could he have done that? And, you know, he says, I knew him back in the day, and I, I, th- I thought he was one of the one of the better ones at Starfleet, kind of thing um and you know they talk about how you know this whole this whole thing went down and and uh, picard sort of says well you know starfleet kind of let us down before this actually happened like you know they were kind of betraying themselves um and you know he said we must not give away give way to fear which is the challenge right so and of course you know rios is like you know can we trust this girl i mean it took her like five minutes to hack my ship you know um what if they were right what if we shouldn't have done this and you know like 200 that's when we find out it's 200 years ago this, this happened um and picard sort of says well it's not that's not what you work need to worry about fear is the ultimate destroyer at which point soji comes in and says we're here and and it turns off the takes them out of out of this uh, warp thing and uh, as she realizes she pulls out the compass that um Kestra gave her and it starts to point to north so as if she's come home um and just as we're about that's just about the the show's about to end as they come out of this wormhole you see Narek's ship is still on their tail so he must have figured out uh how they were getting there so he must have followed them into the wormhole so Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Tune in next week, kids. And that basically is my recap of five hours later. <laughs> that was very good. That was very good. Thank you. It was a very dense episode. There's a lot of, a lot yeah, of detail to be going. Yeah, you, you are not kidding. It was a uh, it was a real uh, data dump. At yeah, times, well, literally. <laughs> so what do you think? I'll let you guys talk for a bit. So I have a couple of things that I spotted, if uh, I may don't mind my chucking a few more things in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're... Uh, the beginning of the episode when the would-be Jatvash are, you know, standing around the cauldron like a, a crew of, uh, of witches, um, they put their hands in and they have this vision. One of the visions is clearly Data's face. Oh, really? Okay. 
if you uh, I've, I watched it twice just oh, to make eyes. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It starts out as a as a, a skeleton of a, of a synth, and then for about an eighth of a second, it flashes and becomes Brent Spiner's face uh, as Data. So right. um, very prophetic, not just coincidentally prophetic, but very prophetic. Um, I thought this was a good one because uh, when Narissa is having the conversation at the beginning of the episode and she's talking to the unconscious Ramda, uh, she basically says, you know, the Borg made a real mistake when they tried to assimilate your Tal Shiar ship. And so we weren't 100% sure what had caused the cascade failure that had shut down and disconnected this Borg cube from the from the collective. But now we know that we've put all these dots together that it was actually, it was when they assimilated Ramda, they also assimilated her vision because she became one of the and collective. And her lunacy too, and, right? Well, and her lunacy that was caused by that vision. So that cascaded through them and to protect itself, the collective cut off the cube because they didn't want that cascade of, of that horrific vision uh, getting all the way through the collective. So that's why they cut them loose. That's so why. So they tried to flatten the curve is what you're trying to say? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. So it's good to sort of, again, it ties all those little threads together. They didn't have to explicitly say it, but they sort of tie that thread together with that very quick little scene with Narissa. Again, more data download that uh, we weren't sure. And they sort of alluded to the mystery of, uh, you know, why this one cube was disconnected and left stranded in space and why the Romulans uh, were the only ones who, you know, had had this kind of success. And it turns out it was because this vision was so intense and immense and powerful that it basically broke this little cube off from the rest of the collective because it was so damaging. So that was interesting. Um, I looked up uh, Ibn Majid just to sort of see if there was any uh, more sort of threads to weave there. Um, so Ibn Majid was uh, Ahmad Ibn Majid, who was uh, a 15th century Arabian navigator and cartographer. Uh, he was famous for helping Vasco da Gama find his way uh, from Africa to India and hmm. for helping the uh, first... Um, navigation of uh, the trade route between Europe and India. And his uh, name, his nickname is, is uh, well known as the Shooting Star. So, mm. I don't know if any of that comes back around or if it ties in, in your minds to this episode, but I thought that was a little interesting bit of uh, trivia that was sort of tagged in there. And then the other last thing that I saw was um, just a weird little line when uh, when Soji was trying to take control of La Serena and said, uh, "My, you know, I have to do this for my brother and sister. I thought that was oh, an interesting really? line. Oh. She deliberately refers to beautiful flower and Jana as her brother and sister, um, which I think will be an interesting tie in when we finally hopefully get to meet the rest of the synths or, or get some conclusion there, um, how they regard one another, how that connection is. Cause obviously she referred to Dodge as her sister, but I wonder uh, how this collective of, of synths regard one another and, and not dissimilar to, I guess, data and lore and um, to a certain extent before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the name of Data's daughter? Uh, Lal. 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 Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, lots of, uh, you're, you're right, man. What an episode. It was just like tied together all these little threads and sort of set the stage for sort of, uh, you know, once they explained the backstory, they explained the conspiracy, they validated you know, Rafi stuff. They got some closure on the Rios mysteries. Like, well, there was a lot of stuff in this. What'd you think, Jaime? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with the way that we got to see 
the uh, all the emergency holograms yeah. together, right? So like the EMH we know is is the the medical and seems to have an English accent. Uh, you've got the ENH, the navigational one that has an Irish accent. You have the I guess emergency hospitality hologram. I don't know. <laughs> they say Mister Hospitality, but I don't think that that doesn't fit the pattern, right? Um, I think he's Captain Obvious, right? Yeah, and there's some discussion about what he sounds like. To me, he sounds like he's Southern USA in some yeah. or, yeah. or Midwesternish, and some people say Canadian. I don't know if there are any Canadians have ever heard like that, but maybe like Newfoundland or something. Newfoundland. I don't know. Uh, no, it's I've, not Newfoundland at all. I've never met a Canadian that sounded even remotely like him. So I, I just assume maybe my my uh, you know set of Canadian people that I've ever talked to in my life is maybe more limited than I thought. But uh, continuing on, there is the ETH, the tactical hologram that is Spanish speaking of some sort. Uh, people online say Chilean. I'll, I'll take their word for it. I don't I don't know if he speaks with a particular uh, accent or is, is Santiago Chilean himself? Is that what they're going off of? I don't know. Santiago, but I have to look that one up because I don't know what he is. No, it says he's from Venezuela. So I don't, I don't know why they chose Chilean on, online. Um, and then we, we met the uh, emergency engineering hologram, which has a, what I assume is an homage to Scotty with the, the, oh, right. the yeah, Scottish yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. So those are fun. It's been fun seeing those individually and it was pretty fun seeing them all together when Rafi's interrogating them or questioning them, understanding what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So two episodes left. We, I think now, as I said, I think we sort of wrapped up a lot of these sort of lingering threads and are sort of built for what should be, you'd think a lot more pew pew in the next episode. Although it was a fair bit of yeah. pew pew with uh, El- Elnor and, uh, mm-hmm. and Seven. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, Seven doing her best impersonation of a Borg queen. And Nerissa, she's so so vehement to shoot the Borg so she over she overheats the gun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your yeah. gun seems to be malfunctioning. Sorry, I broke your gun. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm still not sure. Even if the next few episodes are, you know, an hour and an hour and a half, it kind of still feels like we'll have a lot of questions left. Um, yeah. With this go. So I think it'll lead into, you know, a pretty heavy uh, semi cliffhanger to lead into season two, is what I assume here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm still. Well, they'll, ra- they'll wrap up this story, though, like they did in, in Discovery, right? They'll have, they sort of, you know, this, they had the search for Spock thing and, you know, the, was that the, was that the second season they did that? Yeah, because the first season was was um, the Emperor, right? In that show, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if after all this build up, that the synths will even be there. Oh. It's a good question. Like the foundation where everything's gone. Well, yeah, I wonder if they get there and then they have like an empty, abandoned place that then is the next thread to sort of get you to season two. Oh, okay, yeah. Or yeah. there's you know one last watcher on the on the wall or something where you know it's yeah. one more um, person. But I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if we're sort of being set up for because yeah, now it feels like oh, it's all been culminating because the Romulans are headed there and uh, Seven's got control of the cube and she's headed there and the snakehead with Narek is coming and they're headed there. Is it all sort of headed towards this big, you know, explosive thing or is it headed towards a big like, oh, but they weren't actually there. Well, if you think about it though, from from the point of view of like the, like this whole conspiracy side of the angle, angle, right? I mean, you know, the fact that the Federation has 
been in on it or parts of the Federation have been in on it. I mean, the head of security is in on it. Um, that's that's a major piece to sort of like, okay, what do they do? Like, like there's going to be a lot of paperwork done when, when episode 10 is finished, right? Um, how how does the, the Federation come back from... It's kind of like the undiscovered country where they had that whole conspiracy thing going on there too, right? Like, how do they recover from that kind of uh, conspiracy happening, right? I mean, how, what are they going to do? Like, like I mean, you know, uh, they sent a squadron off to Deep Space 12 and to meet up with, with Picard, and he's not there, right? And so, you know, how, how do they connect those dots? I mean, because it sounds to me, I would think that the unless the synths have some sort of major defense plan, um, when the Romulans arrive and start kicking butt, you know, it's going to be a, kind of be a massacre, right? So yeah. how do we how do we resolve that, right? So in two episodes, I mean, essentially, right? Well, I mean, now that we know there is going to be a season two, I guess we don't, I, none of us have the expectation that it's going to be a big, you know, conclusionary battle in a land, right? Well, would they, would they, do you think they would drag this story arc across another, another season? I don't think they would, but I do think that there's, you know, obviously it can't end with it, a climactic battle between the synths and the Romulans. If you're going to have a season two, that seems mm. a bit premature. So. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still still thinking that that you end up with uh, the Enterprise arriving and then in smash cut to the credits. It's like oh. come, come watch season two. <laughs> we got your money already. You know. Yeah, that would be an interesting twist. It really would. I mean, they said squadron, so it could be anybody. It was like, oh, like I said last time, you know, the Captain Captain War for the Enterprise. Hey, I picked up Jordy, you know, on the way, and and then you know also uh, Riker shows up. He's like, hey, you know what? I decided to unretire to, to show up. Uh, yeah. Get my ship too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got a ship now. Beverly release on her ship you know we just brought everybody sulu yeah yeah it starts becoming like the the later uh tos original series movies where like everybody was a captain or an admiral (laughs) (laughs) if you were the janitor you know in in the 60s show like eventually you you hung around enough and i guess you got enough glory for being on the enterprise that you would be an admiral too i thought there was a telling line that i don't think i don't know if we really touched on it last week but but uh riker does does say at one point you know uh, you know i i am still i still have active service but it would take a hell of, a hell of a thing to get me to come off the planet or whatever i wonder right. if that was a little for foreshadowing for potentially yeah let's down blow the road. this thing and go go home kid right yeah like i wonder if they were doing a real setup there the millennial falcon shows up yeah millennial. it was like an active reserve active retirement sort of yeah. thing where maybe he has to do you know like two weeks a year sort of thing yeah. and but he gets some sort of benefit out of it yeah well they let him keep the shields he's got wrapped around his property yeah That's yeah true. <laughs> true his home security system his his ring camera you know <laughs> Alexa yeah shields up yeah nope. Bob all right what is up let's let's do the watch, watch list shall we yeah Michelle all right so dig in there honey yeah I don't know how this escaped um everybody I mean not just us I feel like I didn't see any fanfare about the fact that amazing stories on Apple TV plus had actually started like we knew we talked about the video right, it was right. coming we saw the trailer mm-hmm. but I didn't see any sort of news about like hey you can start watching the episode now and so I happened to stumble across it uh, I did I, see some TV commercials for it the other day. Okay, did you? Okay, good, good. Because I didn't see yeah, the normal yeah. sort of like, you know, tech news or um, movie TV news sort of articles of like, FYI, it started, go go check it out. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't notice it on my Apple TV yet the other day. Oh, have you, I flipped it on, yeah. Did you watch the first one? No, I did. No, no, I, no, I, no. I stumbled across that and I said, 
Oh, uh, season one, episode one of uh, Amazing Stories, The Cellar was on there. It's about an hour long episode. Basic premise is this guy is, is helping his brother out to do um, like a home renovation in like a um, like 1919 era sort of building. And he ends up going back in time to that actual era um, from The Cellar. And I don't want to spoil too much more, but it, it's like a, I, I never watched the original Amazing Stories, but it is sort of in the vein of like Outer Limits or Twilight Zone or uh, Black Mirror. It's definitely not as, at least this episode is definitely not as dark as those. I don't want to get people like, you know, the wrong idea, but it feels that that, like that sort of um, anthology episodes type of show. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. pretty good. I'm pretty sure the main guy, I kind of recognized him. I think he might be the main character from um, uh, the Maze Runner movie series. Mm -hmm. If anybody's seen those. Yeah. 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 The the main guy, the main kid. Mm -hmm. So it it was fun. I mean, I still have my Apple TV plus subscription for like 11 more months. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep watching this. I don't know that it's going to be necessarily uh, must-watch television for me the way that, you know, like Picard is. But I think it's good for like a Sunday afternoon sort of thing. Hmm. Did you watch the morning show at all? No, I haven't, haven't watched that one. Uh, so we mm. finished up Servants. We finished up C. I'm probably going to start Mythic Quest soon. Yeah, I'm thinking about that one too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll eventually get to the morning show. And uh, they delayed filming on season two, right? Because somebody correct uh, contracted uh, COVID-19 in the, what? Like the really? crew or something. I thought I saw an update on that, but I I don't know. Interesting. That's that's a real-time follow-up. All right. So what do you got first, John? Yeah. Again, speaking of things that sort of slipped through the cracks that I I had not realized was a thing, but we we had talked about Altered Carbon uh, coming back to Netflix and uh, that, you know, the first season was kind of an interesting uh, sci-fi thing. Uh, But they've also are putting out an anime movie called Altered Carbon Resleeved. And the trailer went up this week on YouTube and it looks really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, I, I didn't know that this was a was a thing that this was coming. So I don't know if they had announced it previously. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's a one-off. It's just supposed to be this sort of like uh, you know standalone movie. But uh, yeah, it's it looks really really interesting. Um, cool. and, and it's still it's still set around the same the main same main character Takeshi Kovacs uh, and is tied into uh, the the regular Altered Carbon universe. It's supposed to be like a different adventure and a different sleeve that he has and it's all done in anime style uh, apparently it's coming to Netflix on the 19th March so, that's cool yeah right. yeah. so not not only is it coming but it's coming quite quickly so you know just in time to finish what, watching now that we have no live sports or movies in the theater I guess we can all catch up on our Netflix shows and you'll have just enough time to watch Altered Carbon season 2 before you watch Resleeved right, right. indeed indeed. so who put the real time update here that was me I, I, just a couple things that have sort of popped over the wire uh, since we started our conversation so we you had mentioned Tim at the beginning that uh, the Prime Minister of Canada's uh, wife was being tested and they have confirmed now she does have COVID-19. Oh, really? Wow. And uh, our Prime Minister will be uh, tested and he is also going to self-isolate for 14 days. So uh, wow. that's pretty up there as far as uh, uh, sort of people of note that have contracted uh, that. So that would be the equivalent timing to our First Lady. And mm-hmm. um, also there was news this evening that Disneyland in California is closing for only the fourth time uh, ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think I think we we're talking about the NHL um, closing down their series. They, have, they haven't done that since uh, the Spanish flu, right? Yeah, I mean they had they had the lockout season that they canceled the entire season of uh, yeah. early two thousands. Yeah. But the last time that something like this happened was yeah nineteen nineteen uh, was mm-hmm. the last time mm-hmm. this happened, and I believe Seattle was actually playing for the Stanley Cup that year. Hmm. Oh really? The <laughs> Metropolitans is that who it was? Yeah. The pilots. So it was a plot to 
make sure they didn't win the Stanley Cup, right? Yep. Interesting. We didn't yeah. time it like you all to maintain your NBA championship yeah, for even say, longer. Yeah, you, yeah, Jonathan, we got we had to be NBA champion, world champions for another year. Yeah, we were joking about that at work that uh, we should get to keep the uh, the championship uh, banner, and hang, hang another one. Yeah. So the 1919 Stanley Cup Finals between the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Metropolitans. Uh, this the Metropolitans were up uh, two games to one in the best of five series when uh, it had to be canceled due to an outbreak of Spanish flu among the two teams mm-hmm. and uh, it uh, it actually it actually killed one of the defensemen on the on oh, really? the Canadians yeah. and uh, another of their players uh, oh sorry their their manager uh, was so permanently weakened by his illness that led to his death a few years later so this was, was like a serious serious thing as well yeah yeah, yeah. so this is why this is a learn the lessons of the past this is why you postpone your season right true sure never want to get to that point hmm. well speaking of postponing seasons i saw the first two episodes of dispatches from everywhere um which is kind of a science fictiony rompy sort of doctor who-ish kind of show it's very strange and convoluted and there's sort of this weird uh, secret society thing happening in it uh stars jason siegel and another actor i can't remember her name um but uh, it's interesting. It's kind of weird and wacky. Um, I watched the first two episodes. I wasn't super thrilled enough to watch the third episode, but I've, I've set it back up in my PVR. I think I'll give it a couple more, couple more tries. Maybe I'll catch the the third episode that I missed uh, because I didn't set my PVR to record that one. Um, it's got Sally Field in it and um, one other guy. I think he's uh, the guy from. Oh. It's Andre Three Thousand. Yeah, Andre Three Thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember his name. Yeah. But yeah, he's in it too, and and uh, he's yeah. an interesting character that he plays um but yeah the jason siegel's trying to figure out what the hell's going on um and the other three characters seem to know or seem to have some uh, sort of idea what's going on and um it's kind of a, they, they refer to this game that's been that's going but haven't been able, been able to put our finger on what the game actually is yet so uh it's kind of a interesting sort of weird um you know weird thing you know sort of like you see characters and then they kind of run away as soon as you look at them kind of thing yeah so yeah it's a mystery and i'm curious to, i haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet but i'm curious too i heard a great podcast with jason uh siegel talking mm-hmm. about it and he was saying that this was based on he was trying to think of something to write he wanted to do his own project again oh, right, right. and he said this is based on real events that happened to him really uh, wow. where he basically saw this random ad on the street and sort of fell down this rabbit hole of a weird world hmm. uh, and he said he hmm. wanted to just sort of see where it went because he thought it would make a great tv show <laughs> so, yeah 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 well yeah i think neil gaiman's written sort of stories like this one like there's one episode one story i read recently by him uh, uh, about this guy who sort of stumbles into this weird world and, and you know, underworld that, that runs around under regular London, right? And uh, he comes out at the end and, and sort of, you know, there's demons and there's, you know, whatever. Um, I forget the name of the, movie, the the book I read. but Neverwhere. Neverwhere? Is that the one? Yeah. Neverwhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Have you read it? Oh, yeah. I've okay. read almost everything that Neil's written. Okay. All right. Everywhere. All right. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, how many people want to get in touch with you? Where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Devil the Hair. Right. And Jonathan, people get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Okay. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 Bye, bye, baby. Bye, bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. 
If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. domino that falls you're no, just I like, know. it's like it's like constant like yeah, disaster that? the prime minister's wife has now got coronavirus great yeah yeah while i curl up in the fetal position for a little yesterday while. it was like tom hanks today it's the trudeau's yeah i think the biggest uh scariest one was when the even the ncaa surrendered today and decided to cancel the, the championship tournaments because mm-hmm. the ncaa is um not well known for its uh sensitivity towards its competitors and the fact that they were willing to take the humongous financial hit of not having March Madness fo- uh, basketball is a sign that things are, are definitely requiring mm-hmm. them to close that down. Yeah, not good. Yeah, it, that's it's a it's a lot of money. It is uh, it's a lot of impact. You know, even to the point of them deciding like, well, we can't. We're not even going to do it in empty stadiums to to still get the TV stuff going. It's just it, it really feels like if we had uh, a way to shut down the entire world for like four months and then come back to it from like you know uh hyper sleep or something whatever it was called in aliens where they go into hibernation yeah we almost need something like that to to zoom ahead on everything well they said that uh in places where this has been enacted in china and italy it has been very effective if people are sort of confined for a period of time even as little as a week it really does make a huge impact on the spread and the ability for healthcare workers to treat those who uh have been diagnosed and so when you put those things together and you think like okay so you know china does it through authoritarianism which you know like they actually are screening people you know uh, at random and you know who are suspected and if you are they basically just haul you off and put you somewhere else and theoretically treat you um in italy they basically shut down the entire country all at once so and apparently that has really slowed the transmission rate over the last week to 10 days so you have to wonder if there will come a mandatory thing at a certain point. Um, you know, if they gave you X number of days notice before you had to do it, could you, you know, get enough sort of stuff to keep yourself fed and safe and everything else to sort of help slow the rate, I guess. It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how this continues to play out. I mean, uh, you know, the NBA said today that they are committed to at least a month of no games. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Major League Baseball said that they're canceled all of the rest of spring training and uh, the first two weeks of the season.
season and then we'll reevaluate. So I, I think the consensus that they must be getting from the medical community on all this advice is that, you know, we're looking at four to six weeks of really scaling things down, really reducing human to human contact. Um, you know, I wonder where this will take us over the next uh, next few weeks. Yeah, I think that and I'm, I'm sort of concerned for partially concerned and I'm not so much concerned for the, the gig, gig economies that are out there. They're wondering what's going to happen to them because they're, they're not really built on any solid ground, you know? Um, yeah. Something like, like this kind of thing takes out small businesses all the time, right? Like we're yeah. already starting to worry about bars and restaurants and, you know, mm-hmm. those, those kind of things come and go all the time, right? So yeah. um, small theaters, you know, movie sure. houses, everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Well, and yeah. where, where does the line on paranoia stop? You know, like I, uh, as you know, I'm a big comic book collector and right. reader. And, uh, you know, I was out last weekend and went to a couple of comic stores and was browsing through the books and, and didn't really give it a second thought. Comic books, especially older ones that I'm looking for, tend to be quite dusty. And, uh, yeah. you know, so I always, you know, carry, uh, you know, hand sanitizer with me and I always use it. So um, I don't really get concerned about it. But obviously there is a level of exposure with something like that that are handled. Mm. Um, but I haven't really sort of allowed it at this point to sort of make me paranoid. But, you know, where's the line on, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you know, you sort of think to yourself, well, okay, I, I'm just taking this stuff. And you're thinking, okay, somebody put that on the shelf and then somebody might have touched it as they're going through. And so where do you draw the line on where you allow yourself to go and how much contact you allowed to have? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a slippery slope. You really do just sort of have to listen to the best advice of, of the medical community. I, I can't, honestly can't stress that enough. You really just need to understand where the clearest information is coming from. No, it is not the U.S. president. And you have to make sure that you, you listen, uh, you know, science and medicine will lead the way. We have to trust their judgment. Mm. Yeah. You can't buy toilet paper anymore, but I'm pretty certain you can still go buy baseball bats and barbed wire. So better stock up <laughs> while you can. <laughs> Throw, uh, you know, The Walking Dead and uh, Zombieland Double Tap and 28 Days Later on the, on the Netflix queue. And, That's right. And prepare yourself. Yeah, I, I was joking with my colleagues today. I said, you know, I, I think we're stocked up for paper products for right now. and But I might go buy a few extra just in case because if anybody gets to the point where they're looking at my comic collection the wrong way, I think things are going to get bloody around here. Mm. <laughs> That's just paper, right? No! No, it's not! What, comic book? <laughs> <laughs> Graphic novels, you mean. It's just yeah. a big stack of them next to the next to the toilet. No. Well, somebody was telling me that uh, there's some cultures where they don't, uh, the plumbing system is so you know weak that they, don't, they actually can't flush paper products down the toilet, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah. people carry a rag around with them, you know, mm-hmm. for, for wipage purposes, you know? Yeah, well, uh, it's yeah. Uh, there was a joke on last night's uh, um, Daily Show with Trevor Noah, where he basically said, you know, oh no, we've run out of toilet paper. Whatever will we do in this room that has a shower in it? You know, yeah. like if yeah. you're really having that tough a time, yeah, it, it's going to be okay. You'll be fine. Oh wait, I'm sitting on top of a bowl that has water in it, mm. <laughs> and there's a sink next to me. Whatever will I do? Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, bidets and and, and towels, right? That uh, yeah, that's a, Xavier said earlier. I've never never ever envied envied somebody with a bidet before, but now I do. Yeah, huh. what's this character? I don't know. I never this little character on my iPad that's got this like squiggle. Is that for writing notes? Writing. Oh, it is. It's just in. What do you know? Discovered a new feature or something? Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah. I guess it's been there the whole time. I just never noticed it. That you can actually, you can actually hand write a. I could write cursive messages to people and they would not be able to read them. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and oh, uh, time follow up here. We've been wondering about Microsoft Build, considering it's occurring in Seattle in May, and they have decided yeah. to make it digital only, streaming only.
only this year. Well, we talked about that yesterday, right? Is that the same conference? That was the one we we said it's kind of weird that this big conference had not been canceled yet. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it has been, at least the physical version of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were talking about WWDC at work today, and I reminded what Mark told us yesterday, that Santa Clara has declared any meeting over 1,000 people to be void and prohibited. Billie Eilish just canceled all of her concerts for the rest of March. Did she really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Biggest pop star in the world just canceled all her concerts. Isn't she? Yeah, she was supposed to come to Toronto. Uh, I don't think she was scheduled for Toronto yet. But she soon. Oh, just for the month of March, you mean? For the month of March so far. Uh, and we're with, not going to get it. We're not going to get it out of April with this. I don't know if people realize that or not. You know, like just yeah. closing down until March is not enough. Oh no, I mean it'll it'll keep going. But yeah, yeah. yeah apparently, the stock market took another huge hit today. Uh, yeah, they said it was the worst one day since uh, Black Monday in the eighties. Hmm. So yeah, it's, Apple's uh, down to two forty eight. Wow, that's crazy. A lot of stuff. And again, like I say, no matter which direction you look, everywhere. Wow. Even Twitter's dead. And that's why you tune in to the Spotcast podcast, folks, because... We got your updates. For at least a little bit in the middle there, we were able to take you out of COVID-19 country. (laughs) That's like our our tagline, you know, so we have the one of like, you know, we're a Star Trek podcast. (laughs) You know, we're on the list and, you know, the the new sort of teacher could be like, what else are you going to listen to while you're quarantined? <laughs> we yeah, can entertain you. Take your yeah, cares away. That is true. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Apple March event to launch iPhone 9 canceled over COVID virus. Well, you can't cancel something that hasn't been announced, uh, but it will be interesting to see what they do with what should have been the March event that everybody suspected. So, I mean... Oh, was there supposed to be a new phone coming out in the Yeah, the, the iPhone SE 2, so like the, the smaller, oh, the cheaper right. phone uh, updates. And and that one gets interesting. And, and Jonathan, I'm kind of wondering, just given uh, the journalism background you had, so for something like our developer conference, it's kind of not too bad. Like there are options like, all right, we can still get the content through live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these labs where you get to talk to Apple employees like, well, maybe you could do it through like, you know, Zoom or WebEx or something. But a big part of the the Apple sort of, you know, uh, announcing or, or giving previews of hardware is having journalists there in the room putting their grubby hands on stuff, which is, you know, probably something you don't want to do now. And I'm kind of wondering how, how that might change the perspective of things uh, for coverage. Do you have any sort of thoughts? I guess the the question is sort of what's available on it. You know, say what you will about moments like this in history, but they do spark innovation and invention and creativity and in, in that too. They also spark, spark all kinds of unpleasant things. But, uh, you know, I wonder if we're going to see some sort of moves forward in uh, the way that we communicate with, with each other remotely, the way that we share information remotely, the, the way that people produce content, um, you know, differently for audiences that can't necessarily be in the room. I wonder if we're going to see any sort of leaps forward through this process. Um, initially, obviously, you know, just the simplest things is to, um, you know, if you did a real time with somebody who was on the other end of your conference and they had the device in their hand and you could say, okay, now swipe this. Okay, now swipe that way. Like you could actually mm-hmm. sort of have a um, a concierge kind of service that would sort of allow you to test it without being able to test it. But I wonder if, um, you know, if, if there 
there be any advancements as well? Especially, I mean, you know, if you get a bunch of bored at home engineers and scientists and, you know, people who are creative, uh, you know, and they want to find ways to, I mean, we wouldn't have known about chopstick uh, pool if we hadn't seen the, the people in uh, in China who were, you know, uh, confined to their homes, right? Chopstick That's pool. But did you guys see the videos of chopstick pool? No. <laughs> People were were bored and they were you know told to basically shelter without a chance to uh, have much time to prepare. So yeah. they were trying to amuse themselves. So they were turning their kitchen tables. They were putting pockets on the corners and bumpers on the oh. sides <laughs> and and bopping uh, using uh, um, chopsticks and I don't know what they were using for balls. I mean, do you remember? I don't know if it was like cherries or tomatoes or something. It was yeah some some sort of vegetable or something that they were using and and they were turning it into basically a homemade uh, uh, pool table mm. but yeah again you know you, you just sort of you know hope for the best in these situations that there were you know people are going to find ways to do this it is nice obviously for for some of us that have the luxury of being able to work remotely um i saw the washington post has asked its reporters uh, to work remotely for the time being um but i do obviously empathize i mean my uh, my wife works in a in administration at the hospital and you know that requires face-to-face contact and you know you you worry about people who are in those kinds of situations um her department is uh rehabilitation and um physiotherapy and i wonder if there's you know obviously there are people with chronic pain who don't want to go too long without their treatment but you you know there might be an opportunity to uh have a hiatus if necessary but there's a lot of people in the hospital who can't either who you know come hell or high water have to get themselves to work every day Hmm. have you started working from home Amay? oh so my my job that I currently have and the one I had prior were both uh, work from home, oh, okay. work remotely. So I've, yep. I've been working remotely for years now. So there's nothing oh, okay. nothing new for me. And uh, my significant other also works from home. So there's not a whole lot of change to our daily life yet. But it's interesting to see on like Twitter or Instagram, just like you know, empty cafeterias and the the, mm-hmm. the highway looks like it's ridiculously um, uh, you know really good traffic right now if you want to drive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The gas prices here i don't know how they i mean american gas prices tend to be typically lower than canadian anyways but uh our gas prices have dropped 30 cents in the last three weeks well, that's uh, also because the price of oil went down too right it is certainly driven by that but i think there's obviously there's an element to that as well of uh yeah this is an opportunity if you want to go somewhere and again if you if you if you want to take a chance you can get cheap plane flights hotels uh yeah if you're an adventurous person who's not worried about uh of contracting any illnesses um and and, you know, again, statistically, your odds are low at this point. I wonder, uh, you know, if you want to take the chance, you can probably get a good deal. Yeah, I wonder if the I wonder if the stock market is going to rebound tomorrow or not. I mean, mm-hmm. eventually it will, you know, you'd think there would yeah, hit yeah. a point where, you know, people will realize, you know, you're, you're some of these stocks, you're just never going to get a chance to get them this low again. And if you are, yeah. you know, bullish on the fact that eventually there'll be a rebound, you could, yep. you know, but you're going to buy Apple at, what was it, 250? 248 right now. Yeah, like, what was it six weeks ago? 340. Yeah. So, so it's down 100 yeah. And again, unless you think in the long term that this is the end for Apple, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not the end for Apple at all by, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So again, for people who are, um, again, able to afford and have the capacity to gamble, you'd certainly mm-hmm. you're going to hit a number where you might think, you know what, throw a couple bucks towards that. And yeah. then the market starts to turn. So somebody asked me last night, we were hanging out with my journalism friends and they were saying, is it moments like this where you miss being in a newsroom? I said, oh, no. Yeah. No, I'd be working 16 how, hour days. Are you yeah, kidding how me? How would you keep up with what's going on right now? Well, that's it. Like in my last job, uh, we're 
working in, in a newsroom was working on, on the, the breaking news stuff and mm-hmm. on the web, not on the, the print edition. And, you know, right. yeah, you like never get to leave. You would just be constantly yeah. and perpetually updating stories, changing stories, adding new content. You, it would be yeah. an incredible grind. I have such empathy and, uh, and respect for the journalists who are trying their hardest right now to try and share the right information and make sure people are caught up with what's happening as well as trying to give them the best information possible to make sure that they can stay healthy as they go through this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get a bad rap, the journalists, but they're working hard for people out there. Yeah. Anywho, I think it's time to pack it in for another day. Alrighty. All right. Until next time. Stay All safe, right. kids. Okay. Likewise. Later. All right. Yeah. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.